Hey, this is Randy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Outside Shot, sponsored by Morgan Stanley. Together, we're going to bring you more amazing underdog stories. Every day I grew up with, yo, what up, homeboy? Or I see the cops coming, young boy get off the corner, you know what I'm saying? Something about to go down. That's normal for us. For the listeners, what we grew up in wasn't normal at all. On this episode of Outside Shot, Kyle Lowry. I got a story for you. Okay. You remember, <laughs> we got this kid coming, but he's a little different. I wasn't even thinking about picking my major. <laughs> the teacher's right here in front of us, and he's playing video games. We get a phone call. Kyle Lowry just hurt his knee. I was like, I don't think I'm getting drafted. <laughs> Coach Wright, he's yelling at us. In his nice new whip. We pull up at the checkers. Oh, yeah. Remember what happened next? I think after you hear this episode, you're going to realize you really didn't know who Kyle Lowry is. You can tell that I love the game. And I think he was like, yo, this is going to be a way out. The rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> they drew a line in the sand. Now here you stand outside that line with goals in mind. Dreams and destinies you will put here to find. Manifest. They say you the worst when you know you're the best. So you invest. Put in that work. Even when it hurts. Their can'ts and their doubts turn into I will and I must. You put trust in your faith and your gut. The instincts you naturally feel. Against all lies you tighten up. Even the playing field. Break you build like a city there's something in me in you that just won't let you stop you know it's going in even though they say you are an outside shot so this episode of outside shot me and noah sitting down with someone who i definitely call my brother kyle lowry born and raised in north philadelphia you may know him from the toronto raptors or as a villanova wildcat um, a lot of memories was brought up and just felt like we were in our dorm rooms talking so sit back and get a chance to meet the Kyle that I know. But I could, but me individually, like, no. You know what I mean? Housekeeping. That's housekeeping. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> that out. Do you remember the first time we met each other? <laughs> I probably, I, I know the first time I met you, you probably don't remember that. I was with Shane and Deshaun White. They were up for a visit and I was hanging out with them. And uh, that was the first time I met you. I don't know if you remember me because I was just, they wasn't worried about me at that time. <laughs> yeah, I can, remember, I can remember the first time I met you. You played against the kid. I think he had like 3,000, 2,000 points or something like that. That's right. Yeah. And we went to that game. Palestra. Yeah. And I just remember Coach Wright was like, watch this kid. Uh, he's unbelievable. He's thinking about coming here. I think you were thinking at that time. So he wanted all of us to go to the game to convince you to come there. <laughs> And I hope there's not a violation. <laughs> but we all went down there, and you came, and you you were cool. Yeah. And I just said to myself, like, yeah, he's our type of player. Because we, we haven't figured out who we wanted to play like yet. He wanted us to play, you know, diving on the floor, guards rebounding against bigs. And so once we saw you play, I was like, yeah, he's definitely the type of player we need and we want. And once you committed, the rest was history. The rest was history. I mean, it's just like. It was kind of crazy how everything works out. Situations is meant to be, and uh, you got to take advantage of it, right? Yeah, definitely. North Philadelphia, the neighborhood that you grew up in, can you tell people a little bit about what that part of Philadelphia is like? Uh, rough, bad, uh, tough place to grow up. Because you never know who to trust and you never know the situations you're going to be in. You never know what's going on in the corners. You don't know who beefing with who. You got to be careful with every situation because you don't know what day the bullets might come flying or what drugs is out in the street or what thing you might see today. 
And you know what I'm saying? I think in my neighborhood, and y'all been down, you've been down there. You was down, you came to the house Plenty before. Plenty of times. You know what I'm saying? You came to the house before. And I, and I, and I, I know you can attest to the same situation because you grew up the same way. Mm-hmm. So me saying this to you is kind of like, that's normal for us. But to, for the listeners, yeah. what we grew up in wasn't normal at all. Do you realize it when you're there? No. Or does it's, it take it's, it's afterwards? Normal. It's normal for us because that's what I grew up in. Every day I grew up with, yo, what up, homeboy? Or I see the cops coming. Young boy get off the corner. You know what I'm saying? Something about to go down. You know what I mean? That That's normal for me. It's normal life for, for me growing up. Like, I feel as though, you know, just where I grew up at, the basketball, like I always said, basketball saved my life because if I ain't had basketball, I know so many people who I grew up with either doing you know, between 15 years in prison to life or, you know, just recently, last year and a couple of years ago, I lost some of my good friends. So who introduced you to basketball? My brother. I think that was just like something my brother always loved. He watched it. He loved it as a fan. Um, and it was like, yo, you know, you're going to hoop. I mean, we all get the Nerf basketballs and everything when we small or the Fisher Price or whatever it was back then. And we all get them, but he made sure I kept going. You know what I'm saying? He, he pushed me to the next level. And to say, look, you're five years old, six years old, seven years old. This ain't just going to be, it's going to be a game, but this going to be your path. Lonnie's only five years five old, years old, old right? right? Yeah. And Lonnie's your older brother. Yeah. And so you're telling me he put the ball in your hand at 10 years old. You're five years old. And he's 10. And he's like, hey, this is what you're going to do no matter what. And I got it, you. It was like, we're going to play this. You're going to do it. To, we're going to do it together. And he loved it. And so he made sure I loved it. And everybody said that the hanger story, that's real with us. You get the metal hanger, you bend it, you put it in the door. Because we ain't had no door like that. Our knives wasn't on our door. <laughs> we ain't had a door. So we had to stick our finger under it. So we jam it in there, shut the door, get the tube socks, get like four of them. You know, when we were smaller, you do like one or two. But once you get to a certain age, you get to like three and four, get a little bit more rounded, a little bit more. And you hoop. You hoop in the, in the little middle room. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't pressured. It was like, he could tell that I love the game. And I think he was like, yo, this could be your, this is going to be your way out. You ever play any other sports? Uh, growing up, you know, football. One year I played like Pee Wee. Uh-huh. And after that, it was just street football. <laughs> street football? <laughs> street football. You know how it is. No. It hurt, too. <laughs> Real life hurt. <laughs> how big was a 12-year-old cow? Like, were you playing bully basketball then? Or were you, no. were you like the small kid? I was skinny. I was super skinny. But I was more athletic and faster than everybody. And when you at 12 years old and you're more athletic, you're faster than everybody, you just, you don't know how to play bully ball. It's not it's not just, yeah, I'm going to back him down because I'm 12 years old. And I don't know how to just back somebody down like Charles Barkley. Yeah, so when did you get to that I mean, point? Because when you got to Villanova, as we know, from you trying to bully certain people <laughs> or just playing bully basketball, not bullying that term, tough. you got into a couple fights. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think I think it was when I got to high school. From my sophomore year to my junior year, I just started to feel like I was stronger than everybody or bigger than the, the the guards. You know what I mean? I think my body was just, it grew. I grew late. I didn't grow until, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not tall now, but I grew from like 5'6 to like 5'10 in one summer. So that changed a lot of the way I played basketball. Uh, that summer, I went and played every AAU tournament and I was dominating. And then I transferred from public school to Catholic school and, uh, and things just started to kind of go to the next level. Did the five-year age difference with your brother cause you to play with his friends and then sort of toughen you up? I always played with his friends. I never played with the kids my age. They weren't into it. My brother's friends were the ones I wanted to be around. And they didn't take it easy on you? No. If you take it easy, I wouldn't be in this position (laughs) I'm in now. Your recruiting process, 
Yeah. I read that, um, you know, right before you was getting ready to take your visit, a guy committed right before you were going to take your visit Four to that school. school. Four times. Xavier, Syracuse, UConn, North Carolina. Four of them. Did that drive you at Nova? Uh, I wasn't ready to commit at those times anyway. That's why I think a lot of people, you know, the, the guys that committed before me, I think that's why they were able to do it because I wasn't ready. Like, I was a guy that's like, even now, I'm patient with, with, like, with my decisions I make. I got to make a decision in one hour. I take an hour and a half, two hours, you know, to make that decision. Um, I don't think it, it didn't fuel me. I didn't. I just didn't yeah. care. There's only one school that I really, really, really wanted to go to, and it hurt me. And I was like, what's up with that? But I started to realize, like, hey, can't trust everybody. So it was all my brother and just myself learning. I didn't know nobody that went through this process. You know, you got a couple of Philly guys, but I didn't know them. Me, it was all my brother. I didn't have nobody else. When you're growing up in any city and guys go to college, they usually go in D3. So <laughs> I had no one to, to lean on. You know, I had a couple of people who I knew that were D3 basketball players that couldn't really, you know, put me in the position or put me in that mindset and say, hey, you're getting ready to, you know, go to Villanova or you're getting ready to go to Cincinnati or you're getting ready to go to Florida, which were my my top three at the time. But no one was there. So I was learning on the fly. You know, just I just went off of just basically my gut and my gut and that situation was right. And Jay Wright, when he sat down and he came to Newark, New Jersey, and we sat down and we had Kentucky Fried Chicken. I knew that Coach Wright was the guy. <laughs> I knew he was the guy for me. When you go to visit Villanova, you see movies and TV shows talk about these visits, and it's so <laughs> exciting. Like, what's the truth of what? Oh, you just seen he got game. It's cool. You, you, that's what you're seeing. It's cool. Yeah. No, my visit wasn't like that. My visit, we went to, uh, I mean, I'm from Philly. So it's like, not what can you really show me? What can you show me? It's my city. Like, what, only thing you can show me is what's the school like can't show me nothing about Philly. So my, my visit consisted of like us going to a haunted house and having food and then going to a, bat, a football game. That was my visit. He dictated his visit. So basically he said, hey, I know this place that we can go to, Yeah, is which is a, a haunted house. We go to the prison. And yeah, the prison in Philly. And we were supposed to go to Dave and Buster's. That's where we took all the recruits. Yep. We were supposed to go to Dave and Buster's. He said, hey, let's go here. And we was like, let's go here. We get there. I'm thinking it's like a prison where it's just like, a, a theme, yeah, like it's yeah. like a theme of like a prison, but it's a real prison in Philly, and we go through the house, and that it was scary as hell. <laughs> yeah, it was. Some of them at that point was really scary though. Best moment before Villanova, and worst moment before Villanova. <laughs> uh, for me, it's just I don't really have a best moment. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I didn't win no championships. I didn't win no state championships. I didn't win no city championships. My best moments was just being a kid. And not having to worry about nothing, having fun. Um, now, saying being able to say meeting my future wife in high school. Um, my funniest moment is me not coming to campus on my freshman orientation and tearing my ACL. That's so that's, people who don't know he's supposed to go to orientation, and yeah. he went to Philly and he played in the, the hood. He went to <laughs> he went to go play like in a park league game. Yep, and he wasn't supposed to do. It. He was supposed to be at orientation, and we get a phone call and say. Um, Kyle Lowry just hurt his knee in a park league. <laughs> I think he I think he sprained his knee yeah. or, you know, he banged knees or something. He comes back on campus. He gets checked. He has a torn ACL. So Coach Wright basically going crazy. You know, he's yelling at us, especially both you, yelling at me because you. he's like, yeah, he's <laughs> like, you, you're supposed to be his big brother. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. And you let him get away. 
let's start this real quick. Let's let's mention this in the podcast. Randy Foy was responsible for Kyle Lowry. I was Randy was supposed to make sure I did everything the right way. And so people don't like Randy was supposed to be my parent on campus. I mean, Randy got to stand, but the other thing about Randy is he was an upperclassman. He had his own thing, but he did the right thing by me. He did as much as he could for me that he could have. Because at the end of the day, I'm still going to be me. I'm still a young kid. I'm from Philly. I can go home at any moment. I was embarrassed because people would be like, why you, why you have so many classes with Cal? I would have to be like, I don't think he's going to go to school all four years. So they're just putting him in these classes that you know, sure juniors are taking classes. just to make sure he go to class. And I remember they did this my junior year. We're in class, and I look over at Kyle, and he have his PSP in his hand. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you playing video games? And he's like, he look at me, yeah. He look at me like, yeah. But we're like, we're the teachers right here in front of us, and he's sitting here playing video games. Yeah. And I, that's when I said to myself, like, this kid is crazy. And I remember we had to go to like, I don't even. Yeah, the coffee shop. That was my heart. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> it was a class of African studies. And I don't know if you remember. I'm sure you. We both almost failed that class just because it was. It wasn't like it wasn't that we weren't smart. It was just our teacher was really tough on us, and I felt like he was a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted a lot more out of us. I think for me, I think it prepared me for the for the real world. To be honest with you, because when you walk in, like you, like I, when I walked in, I was in shock. Not just just having to, you know, on a, on a daily basis just being able to communicate and making new friends that you're not familiar with because I grew up in a setting where it was it was African Americans and it was Hispanics and getting to Villanova is more of you know everyone there is Caucasian so now being able to just stand up in communication class and just basically express yourself you know in the beginning I wasn't ready for that you know so that's why I switched my major so many different times until I sat down and I was like hey this this registers with me <laughs> and I'm comfortable so this is what it's crazy you know this is what I want it's this crazy. is what I want to do he said that he said that I picked his major I wasn't even thinking about picking my major <laughs> he was gone I was already gone and it's like that's a different world man that yeah. little Nova listen it, it embraces you but it's like yo this ain't um Twain for Lehigh this ain't Newark this ain't it I got a story for you. Do you remember? <laughs> and this ain't the basketball story. This ain't it's a real life story. Yo, come take this ride with me. Cool. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, this nice new whip. We chilling. When we go to Newark. We pull up at the checkers. Oh yeah, on Bergen. We was, yeah, Bergen and um, Check gives us food. We pull over. Right? We we eating our food in the parking lot. You remember what happened next? Then somebody's like, they tried to box us in, right? <laughs> and I, but we we knew that what they were trying to do, but we just was like, we were looking, and I was like, that don't look right. Then, but I think you were telling me at that time, that's when you told me you was getting ready to go to the league. Yeah. Because we were, I remember we were on the phone, on, we had Rudy, um, Rudy Gay on the speakerphone. Yep. We was and talking. Rudy was like, I'm going to leave. Yeah. And I was like, what you going to do? And, and he we was talking like, of, I'm going to leave. I was like, I had to leave. You was a senior. It was <laughs> over for you. And then I would just remember that the car tried to box us in. It's on checkers, right? You know, UMD. It's like Checkers, Wendy's, McDonald's. And he the reason why we go to Checkers is because he's like, I want some Checker French fries. I want some Checker fries. <laughs> he's like, I want some Checker French so we fries. Get, the car pulls up and try to box us in. Luckily, the cop car pulled through the drive-thru. We didn't see the cop. I guess the people who was trying to basically carjack us, they saw the cop car. And then after that, he looked at me. We were supposed to go see <laughs> my grandmother. Yeah. And after that, we just got on 280 and went back to Villanova.
To this day, I don't park frontwards. Yeah. <laughs> we was parked frontwards. You know, we just trying to eat real quick. And we, we was trying to eat. So trying to figure out where we was about to go next and make our moves and whatever. Because we was going to go back to his grandma's house. And to this day, you ain't going to catch me. I'm parking frontwards and I'm running through your car if you buy me. <laughs> but I mean, that's crazy, though. Like, this, this is. That's like. And it's a story that nobody really would know besides me and him. Yeah, the way Kyle is, is like you need to know be me. around him for a while to understand. Because sometimes he'll say something and, you know, it might rub other people wrong. But for me, I know exactly what it ain't. It from. ain't trying to be. It's not yeah. disrespectful. Yeah, he when he first came to Villanova, I had a conversation with our coach, which is Jay Wright. And he said, hey, we, we got this kid coming. But, you know, he he's a little different. <laughs> And he was like, just from you being where you're from and he being where he's from, is it's similar. And he was like, your first year here was tough. You know, your second year, you're starting to learn how to play Villanova basketball. So I want you to basically put him under your wing. So no freshmen or sophomores get to stay on West Campus. It's only juniors and seniors. So now Kyle is on West Campus with us. In a single. Yeah, by itself. Because I ain't want to be here and I ain't want to be in the freshman dorms. And so they like, if you don't watch this kid, he's going to go home which is 20 minutes away. So we need you basically to be on him, to make him feel comfortable. So he had all the guys trying to do it, and it just seemed like me and Kyle's relationship was like big brother, little brother, because it was, like, I was like just keeping it real because yeah. I knew what he wanted. And at the end of the day, we were both trying to get there. And I knew if he listened to Coach Wright and he did what Coach Wright wanted him to do, he was going to be on the floor. And if he's on the floor, the rest is history. He's going to be able to take that step to the NBA. But if you don't listen to Coach Wright you and you don't playing. agree with him, you're not going to be on the floor it, no matter how good you are. At the end of the day, I learned valuable lessons. I, I made great friendships. And I say this now, I got two big brothers from that team still to this day, and that's Randy Ford and Alan Ray. And they still my big brothers because I can continuously call them whenever I want, even if I don't talk to them. When I'm good with them, it's like yesterday. Yeah, as soon as we see each other. Like when we're playing, yeah. as soon as I land in Toronto or wherever, yeah. what are you doing? Oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. All right, can I, I come see, see you before shoot around or yeah. something? It's like more of like you understand exactly who that person is because yeah. you don't been through so much with him. I knew I was a tough, hard-headed, hard-playing, going to figure it out type of kid. But I didn't know I could be a father, a husband, be on committees, speak in front of anybody, have a conversation with President Obama. Uh, me, I knew who I was, but I didn't know what I could be. I think when we were on the court, yeah. it just was like certain situations where we were so similar. Like they would be like, hey, Kyle, you got to guard the three. And Randy, you got to guard the four. Now let's go win. Cool. You know, you guys got it. And we were like, cool. And we look at each other like, all right, I got you. And I could hear him screaming at me on the court, not like in a bad way, but like, switch, Randy, switch, switch. And he would be like on a Josh Boone or like a center somewhere. And I would switch on him and I would guard this dude like at six, three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Garden is like six, ten, seven foot guy. Like I'm supposed to be on him, but we know he he know we got each other back. Yeah, and I knew he that. like you guard him, you front him, and I'm right here. Yeah. And I knew if I front him, they try to throw it over. It was a still. still. It I, just was the trust, and that like that carried over off the court. Yeah. Where if something happened and he needed to talk to somebody, like I would give him advice, and it was vice versa. Like if something where I really needed to talk to somebody, I would go to him, even though he was younger. I can trust him where he won't put my business out there. Listen, the things we've seen and been through is always going to be us. You know, we'll tell stories or whatever, but, like, if nobody knows, I was with him the whole time he got the tattoo on his chest just because I wanted to be around him. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just because we, we had a couple teammates, and we all just went, and he got his tat done, and he was listening to the same song over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it wasn't like I knew. I mean, I just sat there with him the whole time. And I'm trying to convince him to get a tat. Yeah. Like, no. I'm cool. I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm cool. I went to get some food on South Street, go come back. But the story we won't tell. I mean, we tell now because we sit together. But, like, don't nobody know that stuff. When you play for – a coach like Jay Wright, it's about toughness. It's about, you know, yeah, we look good on the, the offensive side of the ball, but it's about defense. It's about sacrificing your body. And that's something that he did, and I watched him do it, and I said, I need to do that a little bit more. Like, when you're playing on the court with someone like that, you just trust, like, when the ball's in their hand. Like, I can remember we played against Notre Dame. Yeah. Like, at the end of the game, they used to put the ball in my hand. Yeah, every time. But his man is a point guard, so his man wouldn't expect him to crash to get an offensive rebound. So he crashed and got the offensive rebound to tip in. And I can remember playing against Boston College, where at the end we jumped in each other's arms, and it's just it us like, going crazy. But it's like we knew we had to guard, like, Craig, Craig Smith, Smith and, and Dudley, Dudley and all those guys. We knew what we went through, and we knew if we didn't play them, we knew we probably would win a national championship, but we were so worn out. Yeah. On CBS Sports Radio, they asked me, do I think Coach Wright could be a coach in the NBA? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah. But I said, to a certain extent, I said, he don't have as much control that he has at Villanova. So if he did make the jump or if he did want to, which we talked about so many times, I said to him, you need to have president, GM, and head coach. And I think if you had all three of those titles, that you would be extremely successful. So do you think Coach Wright should ever make that jump? Uh, I've had millions. I mean, I've had this discussion with him probably a total of like seven times. Like, I, I legit. And I think if he's going to ever do it, it would be when he's ready to be done with basketball because of how he is. And I'm not saying it in a bad way. Coach is a very – it's about coach. He's very controlling. He's very, like, demanding. Um, he can – the reason I say he can coach is because he can – he don't care about nothing but defense. He can adjust anything. But it's about the other stuff. You, you're you not controlling an every, a man's everyday emotion or you can't make a guy do this, you can't make a guy do that. And he's very demanding on that type of stuff. And the reason I say when he's ready to be done with basketball because our league is not the league for the faint of heart. And if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, he'll be fired. And I don't think he's ready to say I'm done basketball because I think that's when he's ready to be done basketball, he can leave Villanova and then go and coach the NBA and get fired and be sell off to the sunset. That's my personal opinion. And that's what if he ever asks me, I've not told him before, you can, whatever. I said, when you're ready to be done coaching college and you're ready to retire, go take the jump just to see if you can do it. And if you do it well, you stay in it. Like I always say something, I say you might as well. Ride it out like Coach K. When, you know, three, four more national yeah. titles, had a court name after you, mm -hmm. all the success, and just hand it over, you know, to whoever you want to hand it over to. But I told him to ride it out because just the way he run things mm -hmm. and just the way his hands is on everything, mm -hmm. I think in the NBA, you can't stop a guy from doing what he want to do right now. Even though he has a game tomorrow, you can't. It's impossible. Like, it's make too much money. There's family in town. There's this and yeah. that, and you can't control it. Mm -hmm. So he should stay put. He should stay where he's at. And he could be there until he's 75, 85 years old if he wants to. So he should just stay put. Listen, he got that. He ain't going nowhere. That's his school. <laughs>
Draft night. Yep. As soon as I got drafted, first phone call. Besides the team, you were my first call. Yep. And I remember I was getting decided where I was going to go from Portland or was it going to be in Minnesota? And I'm sitting in the back room. It's me and Brandon Roy right across from each other talking. And I'm on the phone with you. Yep. Where are you? You're like, I'm in South Jersey. I'm at my mom's. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I think I'm going to go here. I'm thinking I'm going to go there. And I'm not sure if a couple teams passed up, but I just remember when you knew it was going to happen. You knew it was like- Two picks before. Yeah, a couple picks before. And you was like just so excited. Like I was excited because I'm like, like somebody's with me. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Yeah. So take us through that experience for you being drafted that night. My draft night was crazy because I had to fly to Cleveland. So I flew to Cleveland because I had to get some stuff checked out. And I landed. And I think I missed the first three picks. And all I could do, all I was worried about, I'm being, I, I had like a little Benz SL500 going to South Jersey. I think I, was, I ain't going to tell you how fast I was going. <laughs> snitching myself. But uh, all I could care about was seeing his pick. That's all I cared about, was seeing him get picked. Got, got there barely in time to see him get picked. And going through draft night was the scariest night ever because you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's, who's thinking what. You don't know what these teams or how you impress them or how they make you feel, how you fit into their franchise thoughts and this and that. And the process was completely different. And it was like I think when a guy got picked at like 21, I was like, I don't think I'm getting drafted. <laughs> and then at 22, I got the call. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, all right. And I ain't say nothing until, you know, I told my mom and my wife now, yo, I'm about to go. I'm going here. It was like, oh, it's real. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Pretty cool. Man, getting married, Ooh. right? And having kids. Yeah. How did that change your perspective on life and saying, hey, I'm here for someone else now? I must say, you took the word that you as an individual don't matter anymore. You don't, and I say this in the right way, and I hope people understand, you as an individual, you matter, but those other individuals that you made a pledge to and that you brought into this world matters more than anything else. Mm. You put yourself second. I always hear people say, you know, the first time that you have a child, you feel as though, like, you know love, but you don't know love until you have a child. Not at all. And I could just remember... The first time we had a child, like my oldest child has been with us through every city. Yeah. For her, like you hear any little crying at night, I remember I'd jump up and, yeah, yeah. oh, and she, Chris would be like, you know, lay down, you know, you got a game. I got yeah. her, I got her. Nah. And I used to be like, nah, I got her, I got her. Even if it's like for 30 minutes, let me just make sure she's good. Yeah. Whatever, then like, go back to sleep. I'll wake my son up. Yeah. Right, my oldest, I wake him up. I get him my, what you doing? Like, I wake him up for two minutes, take him to use the bathroom. You go back to bed, give me a kiss, and yeah. that's it. It could be like 3 in the morning. That's the first thing I do. Don't matter. Make sure all the doors are good. Make sure everything yeah. locked. And then go to Selfishly, sleep. Selfishly, I want to see my kid. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom's. Yeah. Work two jobs. Yep. Just so she can make sure you have everything you want so you won't get caught up in the street life. Yeah. What your mom's mean to you? And basically, how does she change your life uh, along with Lonnie yeah. and your grandmother? I think my mom, uh, my mom means the world to me. Then the crazy part is like me and my mom, we ain't best friends. Like we don't talk every day. I don't call my mom every day. I don't tell my mom every secret. Like I don't like my mom is my mom. And the reason that I say that is because she let me grow as an individual. She let me be independent. I ain't had no curfew. She just trusted me. Once she got me to a certain point, she was like, I trust you to, you know, make the right decisions. And I think that's why I became such a, a, a good person or a good man. I think as I think I am, I think that's why it's helped me because she let me grow. 
You know what I'm saying? Just, you, your mom ain't going to use you. At 15, let you drive her car. <laughs> my mom would let me drive her, my, her car. At 15-year-old, I got a permit only. She would let me drive. Cool. And my mom, like, she provided for everybody, you know. Like, she did all the things to make sure that we were comfortable, no matter what it was. Your grandmother did all the discipline. Yeah. So tell me a situation or a story where she disciplined you and you didn't agree with what she disciplined you about. I ain't going to say I, I'm going to tell you story. I I ain't going I ain't mad at her for this so I got I got to a fight at school and uh, I'm crying I'm like yo please don't call my grandma please don't tell my grandma please don't tell and whatever I get home she's like you got suspended I'm like yeah you know she said you win a fight I said I think I won she said alright cool go upstairs and go sit in your room I said what <laughs> I'll get to a whole fight I'm suspended from school and you gonna let me go to my room and it wasn't that she was like, fight. It was just like, yo, you got to protect yourself. You got to be a big boy. You got to be a man. It's okay to stand up for yourself. And that's kind of that lesson that my grandmother taught me. That morning, your half-sister, Lonnie, and you, I think you said you were five years old, mm-hmm. and your dad took y'all out to go eat breakfast. Yeah. And then you said after that, you didn't see him no didn't more. What do you remember about that breakfast? I mean, I, I remember it like it was nothing. I mean, I, we went and ate, and we were like in, I think, Mountain Area or Oak Lane or whatever. We went to eat, and, you know, it was cool. And, you know, my brother was there. We all, uh, he had this uh, red Subaru. <laughs> we went eight, and we pulled, I remember we pulled back up to my block, and he, like, kind of let me sit in his lap and put the car in park. It was cool. And after that, it's like, but it was like, uh, it was, but that was like only my third or fourth time ever hanging out with him since I was a kid that I can't remember. So it wasn't like a big deal. After he left, it was like, all right, peace. I'll see you later, whatever. Like my brother was like, if he ain't, we ain't worried about nobody. If they ain't there, they ain't there. They're not there. You can't worry about them. You can't make everyone happy. You can't worry about the people that's 17 years away from you. They, they ain't there. They're not there. They ain't coming for you. Get it. However you can get it and be smart about it. What is life like in Toronto compared to the other cities that you've been to? Because I know you Uh-oh. have different opportunities to go different places. But what made Toronto so special? The culture. You have a melting pot of everything in Toronto. I've been in three cities, Memphis and Houston and, and Toronto. And, and you've been there before. You've played against us before. The culture in Toronto. I think that's the one special part about Toronto is that melting pot of no one's like one thing. And for my kids to grow up with that, it shows how everyone's treated equal. Everyone's equal. Yeah, just the experience of it. Like you said, your kids growing up and just seeing, you know, being in school and seeing, you know, different races, different um, nationalities and just understanding. Uh, For sure. You're both describing scenarios of what made you who you are today, right? Mm. At the same time now, your kids... Don't know. They don't know any of that. How do you make sure that the identity of who you guys both are is still represented in your kids without them having to go through what you went through? They won't be like us. They won't. I'm just being honest. They won't grow. They won't, they don't, they won't see the things I've seen. We can only tell them right from wrong and what is the right thing, and we want them to see better. 
I don't I don't worry about my kids being me. I want them to be better than me. So I don't think about it. It's like, oh, I need you to be tougher. No, I want you to be the best person you can be from what you see in your eyes and what you think. I'll explain what's right from wrong. I'll understand. And I'll explain to them, like, this is what you, this is how it should be done or this is the right way or this is how it happened back in the day. But you'll grow from your experiences. You can help your kids by telling them, but they won't be like us. I think like what you said earlier, we talked about our trust on the court and how we trusted each other. And it just was from experience. I think our kids... They will never have to experience what we experience, you know, growing up in the inner city. My kids grew up in a town now where I'm at the end of a cul-de-sac. I bought Bruce Springsteen's place. I'm sitting on X amount of acres, and my kids, if they, they could see wildlife. Only wildlife I saw was a raccoon or a possum. <laughs> or a rat. <laughs> yeah. Or a roach. Yeah, a roach. So they just don't experience those things. And I think for, for you to, like, adapt to something and say, hey, this is not going to happen to me, you have to experience it. And I think for my kids, I show them through my foundation. We do backpack drives. We do food drives. And I always bring them with me. And they ask the questions like, why are we doing this? Like, they don't have it. Why don't they have food? Because, you know, their parents don't make enough money to provide. Or they don't have a backpack because with pencils and paper or pens, you know, they can't do it. They got to make ends meet somewhere else. So they're not worried about a a backpack. And I sit there and explain it to them. I hope they say, hey, I want to help someone or I want to do this or I want to do that when I get older. You know, that's why the way I save my money, it's all about my kids because I always laugh and joke with my older daughter. I say, if it wasn't for you, I'll be somewhere on the 67th floor somewhere in Manhattan just just chilling, me and my wife. But, you know, because of you, I got to put you in a situation where you could be successful. So we got to be here in this town where the schools are great, where you can get a good education and go along to college and pass it on to your kids. You know, that's why my desire is always to put my kids in the best situation where they're extremely successful. Yeah. I mean, my legacy is my kids. People always say your basketball legacy. I ain't worried about my basketball legacy. My real legacy is, is Carter and Cameron Lowry. So before we wrap this up, I said to myself and I was thinking, what's the best way to describe Kyle the way I know you? So I want to give you a chance in your own words, describe exactly who Kyle Lowry is. Um, my father, uh, my husband, that understands that he has to do what he has to do to make sure his family is successful. Um, I'm a man that can hoop. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I, I'm not the guy that's this, that, and I don't, all that. I, all I care about is my kids. That's all I care about. That's what I expected. Straightforward. Just like you always are. I expected that. When you're an underdog all your life, at some point do you worry that when things start going your way that maybe I need that sort of adversity? Nope. Because it's like the world finally is giving back. It's finally not making you an underdog anymore. But that don't mean you still ain't got to work hard. Has that happened yet for you? I'm always going to work hard. Work harder than the next person always. I'm never going to just be like, oh, well, this is nope harder well i thank you man this is um this means the world to me just from our relationship from me meeting you when you were 17 dog oh, come on <laughs> man, man, man think about it i'm about to be 35 this year <laughs> so, yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i appreciate it man because this means a lot because from day one i felt as though you and my brother i didn't look at you like oh my little brother i just looked at it as as we were equal we came into this league together we did some big things together Obviously, 
you're doing big things now. You're doing big things now too, though. Yeah. Don't 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 take this from. Not many people got their own podcast and ever play in the NBA. Yeah. Big though. It's just, it's the next level to this. Appreciate it. It's not just basketball. Yeah. We appreciate you doing this. So I I thank you for it, man. Love. Love, bro. Are we going to get a tattoo now? Yeah. <laughs> get that <Hell> tat. No. <laughs>